genre. Doctor's Companion presents Doctor Who The Long Way Round, the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Nick Jimenez. And I'm Scott Corelli. And today on the show we'll be discussing the Macro Terror, the second doctor's fifth story. Crabs. Yes. Yes, crabs. <laughs> yas crabs. Yas crabs. Um... <laughs> so the macro terror which is a uh you know if if uh if you guys listen to the show having not really if you don't really uh go back and watch the uh, classic who stories and you're just listening to us talk about them um the macra are a i don't think they're exactly the same species but they are like a sister species to the giant crabs that are in um, sister species in um uh uh <laughs> Gridlock. Wow, that really that really distracted me. I totally I kept wanting to say grindhouse at that point, and that wasn't right. Um, yeah, uh, gridlock. Yes, um, the giant crab things in uh, in gridlock. Uh, similar similar species. Um, so yeah, so the uh, crabs. Uh, so this this story again, like our last one, is uh, it does not exist. This is a reconstruction. Um, I am completely heartbroken by the fact that this doesn't exist uh, because I think it's uh, I think it's pretty fantastic. But we'll get there in a second. Um, this story uh, was written by Ian Stewart Black, who had written The Savages and the War Machines for the first Doctor uh, and then was contracted to write this story, which um, he his initial idea was a story that took place at a holiday camp in which monsters uh, were living under the earth. Um, <laughs> however, uh, not wanting to reuse old monster con- concepts, uh, they wanted to, the, like the, the um, uh, everybody involved, uh, Jerry Davis, etc. they sort of got together with black and they're like, okay, well, what kind of monsters have we not done yet? And they're like, well, we haven't done spiders yet. All right, great. You are commissioned to write a story called the Spiderman. Um, okay. So, Yep. So uh, he was given the Spider-Man and then at some point during the writing of the Spider-Man, which is the Spider-Man exclamation point. Um, <laughs> sure. Which I love. That would have been if the Macro Terror, the only thing that can make the Macro Terror any better is if it ended in an exclamation point, um, I think. So uh, the Spider-Man over the course of writing it. Uh, That's a full into- almost two years after Spider-Man. So that yeah. that's no excuse. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's no hyphen. Uh, okay. So. <laughs> um, however, I'll allow it. Hence your, hence your pronunciation <laughs> of it. Right. Spider-Man. Well, and also it's it's men. Plural. Oh, plural. Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man. Um, <clears throat> so 
then uh-huh. that uh, that morphed over the course of writing that morphed into the insect men, which mm-hmm. does have a hyphen. Insect men. Insect men. Right. Gotcha. And then uh, at that point, they decided that the insect men were too close to the Zarbi from the web planet. Oh, so, man. So they were like, yeah, so they were like, let's just make them giant crabs. And they're like, okay. So they they named them Macras uh, based on the genius name, the genus name of Japanese spider crabs. Which are terrifying. Uh, Right. And so they were the Macra. And there we go. However, uh, because (laughs) apparently their uh, story editor was um, bad or perhaps they just didn't have one at this point. I'm not sure. But uh, in any event, there are several references throughout the story in which the macra are referred to as insects. Mm -hmm. And uh, that survived all the way through to transmission. No one caught that Um, (laughs) at any point during the production or anything. People were just like, yeah, crabs are sort of – they're like the insects of the sea. That's fine. Um, Anyway. You don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Shut up. Um, so, uh, so the, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically it. There's not, um, a lot here. Uh, as far as the production goes, the, the macro crab creature was a 10 foot tall creature that they had to bring in, um, on the back of a flatbed truck. Like it was, a, like, it was like part of a, like a parade float or that's something. That's amazing. Um, it was just this huge thing and they only built one. So at the point at the end of three, when we have two macra, uh, they, the director was forced to, uh, shoot out of sequence and, uh, basically just mirror image the thing. Cause they didn't even really want to move the damn thing like to another spot in the set. Um, mm-hmm. so they were just like, just move some stuff around and I'll, we'll mirror image it in post. Like, I don't, whatever. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it was, uh. It was it was huge. This was also the first story ever to feature the doctor's face in the opening titles, um, which is, uh, you know, kind of a standard occurrence now. Um, And what else? Uh, Lastly, um, Black, the writer uh, in the early 70s, submitted a story called The Space War, uh, but it went unmade. And so the Macro Terror ended up being his final story for Doctor Who. Did that have an exclamation point? No, I wish it did though. That would make it that better. <laughs> but I would, I would love to see that because I, you know, I, I really like the War Machines. I don't quite remember the Savages, but I love the War Machines and I love this story. Um, so I, I feel like that. I, I think Ian Stewart Black was pretty good. I would have liked to have seen him write something for Pertwee, um, especially mm-hmm. something called the Space War, which <laughs> 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 is pretty fantastic. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's the macro terror. Um, there's, there's, uh, there's another like little shake up with, um, uh, with the companion contracts that was happening now, but it didn't affect this story. So it was just happening while they were shooting it. Uh, they were figuring out contracts for when and where and who would be leaving and or continuing on. Um, who could talk to who? Yeah, or exactly. Yeah. Um, who was a mole? Who was a traitor? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's. Who was brainwashed? Who um, <laughs> was who was being controlled by the macra? Right. Who was having <laughs> who was having bad dreams? 
uh, voices talking to them. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so that's the Macro Terror. The Macro Terror, Part 1, written by Ian Stewart Black, directed by John Davies, produced by Ennis Lloyd, script edited by Jerry Davis, air date 11th of March, 1967. The TARDIS materializes just outside of an Earth colony in the future where a crazed colony member named Madoc has refused treatment and escaped. When he attacks the Doctor, Jamie, Ben, and Polly, the group subdues him just as colony authorities find them and take Madoc into custody for correction. Ola, the chief of police, escorts them back to the colony where they meet a man known as the Pilot who thanks the strangers for their role in apprehending Madoc, offering them a relaxing spa day in return. As his companions take advantage of the colony's hospitality, the doctor visits Madoc in prison to ask him about why he tried to leave this place. He mentions creatures that crawl the grounds of the colony at night before pushing the doctor away and escaping his cell. Explaining the situation to Ola and the pilot, they threaten the doctor with correction before taking him and his companions to a labor center to learn more about the colony's purpose. In the caverns below the colony, workers tap and refine gas that is poisonous to humans. They are told this work is important, but no one seems to know why. The doctor spots Madoc and slips away to meet him. Madoc tells the doctor that the creatures have huge claws, which the doctor remembers seeing on the TARDIS's time scanner when they first arrived. Madoc claims that others have seen the creatures too, but when they do, they're all sent to the hospital for correction. The curfew alarm sounds, and the doctor agrees to meet Madoc once everyone is asleep to help him escape the colony for good. That night, the doctor evades Ola and the guards on patrol, finding Madoc in a half-completed house. An escape hatch in the house leads the pair into the caverns below the city, and face to face with one of the giant crab-like creatures. Right off the bat, I'm just like, oh, this is, this is my kind of, th- this is my kind of story. Um, <laughs> like, like you've got, you've got, okay. So they, they, they show up and having seen the crab hand on the, on the TARDIS console uh, mm-hmm. screen yeah, at the end of the last story and they show up and they're like, where are we? And the doctor's like, uh, I don't know for sure. Uh, that's impossible to know. And it's like, well, <laughs> that's, that's not great. Right. Um, He's like, I think it's Earth, and I'm pretty sure it's the future. And uh, they run into this guy who sort of looks like if you could take if you could take the Beatles and take the 1964 Beatles, like the Ed Sullivan Beatles, combine them into a single person, then take the 1969 Beatles and merge <laughs> them into a single person, and then merge those two merged Beatles into a single person. That's who this guy looks like. Are you talking because, about my man Medoc? Yeah, Medoc. Because he's got the Beatles haircut, but he's all like, he's got scruffy. like the, the shaggy, yeah, he's got yeah. the scruffy beard, like the hippie beard. <laughs> he's got a um, Ringo face with Paul facial hair. Yeah, it's true. So he's like, he's like running around trying to escape this uh, colony and sure. uh, they run into him and then, and then the colony soldiers, like they, they show up and they're like, Hey, thanks for capturing this guy for us. Uh, come on back to our colony. So they go back to the colony and there's drum majorettes. They're just, I mean, they just, they just have a, they have like drum majorettes. It's just like ladies in drum uniforms drumming, just walking around and everyone is really into it. So that's cool. Uh, and all of the future tech in this place is like the Jetsons, you know, like yeah. it's, it's like just this 
this box where the the doctor goes into it and his like head is on top of the box and he's like, oh, what are you doing? And they're like, we're just checking stuff. And it's just, it's just all very Jetsons and goofy and Jim Broadbent is on the intercom. Um, <laughs> he's just like, oh, everyone, <laughs> please go back to your places, your stations. <laughs> it's it's magical. Um, Anyway, I love this. I love this. There's a curfew. Everyone is is creepily happy and no one can figure oh, out why. Mm-hmm. This this was such an unsettling episode. I kept thinking about the 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 British children of 1964 who got to see this in like full motion because even in photographs and even in the limited motion that we see in and 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 the recon that we got that we got to watch the mm-hmm. macro are spooky yeah mm-hmm. and and but and before we even get there just the colonies like the the music and like mm-hmm. the uh the the summer camp like sing along stuff that's going on at the beginning mm-hmm. there's a video it's- game coming out from the people who made borderlands uh i forget what it's called but there's it's it's this game where um it takes place in like six, 19 in like an alternate 1960s London mm-hmm. where uh, everyone is required to be happy all the time. So people wear masks that are smiling and then you're trying to escape these people who are wearing masks that are smiling. It's like really – it's like really creepy and but like everyone is happy but they're not. They're being brainwashed. I don't know. It just <laughs> reminds me of that and I, I, I'm – I just – I really – I don't know. This story felt like um, you could remake this story now and it would be just as good, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. It also had a uh, very big Bioshock vibes. From it did. As well. Definitely. Yeah. I recently read um, A Wrinkle in Time for the first time because that was something I just like missed out on, I guess, when I was growing up. And oh, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Someday. Yeah. It, um, this colony reminds me of that, that planet that they go to where everyone's just like mm-hmm. in sync and doing their jobs. Where everyone stuff. is, everyone are one of the five members. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. I do. Everyone's bouncing their toy ball at the same time. It's yeah. Uh, was, was Wrinkle in Time published before Doctor Who? I don't I have no idea know. Published. Yeah, because like that also was very early on, like one of the first times that science and like fantasy were kind of like, oh, we can talk about like metaphysics and the con- and and that and all of a sudden that kind of does have a Doctor Who flavor to it. It was published 62. a year before. Yeah. yeah. Okay, before. so very little chance, but I don't know. Interesting. Anyway, uh, yeah. So there's a uh, there's a mysterious controller who's you can only hear their voice. Um. And there's a dude called the pilot, which uh, that not, but not that pilot. Um, <laughs> uh, that's a different mm-hmm. one. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it's just getting to know this, this world. And then meanwhile, like, you know, you have these um, workers who are getting gas sickness and mm-hmm. all of this. And, um, you know, they're talking about, uh, you know, reprogramming people and i don't know like all all of that stuff i'm just i was just like i was just really i was just really into this world Mm -hmm. like this is this feels like 
it, it feels like at this point, Doctor Who, the, as a show, has sort of evolved into the the show that we all know. Yeah, um, like you moving know, like away it, from like the educational and more into hard sci-fi. Right. Yeah. Where it's just like it's like no, we know what we are now, um, and this is this is what we are, and. Uh, you know, some writers are more successful than others, and and that's still the case today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it like when they, when, man, when they hit it, when they hit on something, uh, they just knock it out of the park. Because I mean, this whole idea, especially in the '60s, I mean, this is a this is a very um, sort of '60s, uh, you know, socio political sort yes, of uh, social thing. sci-fi, yeah. yeah. Um, that's going on right now, uh, you know, at this point where you have like the, the baby boomers, um, and the, you know, the, the people who were in world war two, you know, having started families in the fifties now have children, teenagers in the sixties and their teenagers are like, I don't want to be like everyone else. And they're like, no, you're going to be like everyone else or you're just like a freaky weirdo. Um, and that's. (laughs) That's what this is. And, and like, then there was panic in the streets of London. <laughs> <laughs> and this is uh, this is like, uh, you know, kind of that 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 hippie free love. We're on the verge of that stuff happening and everything, you know, rock music and all of that, all of that, like all of that is coming into play here. And it's just, it's cool. I like, you it. know, how so you know how like in, in the 60s, uh, like Lord of the Rings, the book kind of hit hit that wave at the right time and you would see like buttons that said like Gandalf for president and like Frodo lives. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I'm just picturing like an alt, like an earth two where just the macro became like the symbol of like authoritarian, like, Hey man, don't trust the TV, man. It's, we're all, they're all just crabs, man. I just like, That's like amazing. spray paintings of the, of the macro, like on walls. In London. Yeah. The Macro Terror, Part 2, written by Ian Stewart Black, directed by John Davies, produced by Innes Lloyd, script edited by Jerry Davis, air date 18th of March, 1967. Now that the Doctor has seen the creatures, Madoc is excited that he can finally prove that they're real. His shouting attracts the attention of Ola and the guards who immediately dismiss their claims. The Doctor is released back to the refreshing department while Madoc is sent to the hospital for another round of treatment. The pilot meets with the controller, the mysterious leader of the colony, who gives the order to brainwash the doctor and his friends so that they will better adapt to their way of life. A voice speaks to Jamie and Ben while they sleep in their cubicle, but the new thinking patterns do not take hold of Jamie, who wakes up and tries to warn Ben, but Ben groggily brushes Jamie off and goes back to sleep. The doctor hears the voices and checks on Polly, where he disconnects the machinery that was in the middle of brainwashing her. He races to Jamie and Ben's room to do the same, but Ben's brainwashing has been completed, and he reports the doctor and Jamie's interference to Ola, and they are arrested. Angry that Ben would betray the doctor, Polly escapes to the construction site to avoid him, but Ben follows her and violently attempts to bring her back to their rooms. Before he can manage, the crab creatures suddenly surround them and attack Polly, Ben manages to fight them off, and the pair escape back to the colony. Polly recounts the encounter with the crab creatures, known to the colony as the Macra, but Ben denies their existence despite having fought them off moments before. The doctor demands to speak to the controller, who appears on a video screen as a nervous elderly man whose voice does not match the controller's voice that they've heard since their arrival, convincing the doctor that this man is not the real controller. 
Despite his pleading that he will obey, the man on screen is attacked by a crab claw that comes from off screen and is dragged away, prompting Polly to come to the conclusion that the Macra are in control of the colony. So in episode two, an evil voice is trying to brainwash our, our crew. So creepy. Um, oh, it's so creepy. Yeah. And it's like, there's just like that sort of like, I don't know, just that, that very, like it was starting to brainwash me. Like, I just know. Like that really soothing, like kind of like ocean staticky sound, just like. Whoosh. Oh yeah. All of the, all of the, uh, the musical cues and just, yeah. Like it, sometimes I wondered if it, it, it felt so modern. In, yeah. in in the context of when it came out, like I can only imagine what it was like hearing this on, on your television sets back then. Yeah, honestly, this this story, I think, you know, there are very few that I I feel uh, are like this. I, I think I think you know, Power of the Dollars was like this, and and they, you know, it's I I think I think they ended up finding episodes and then animated like four of the six or whatever, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's very few stories that I think you could do completely animated and pull it off. But I think this is one of them. Like, I think you could do something really cool with an animated episode of the Macro Terror. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just think. It's yeah. Super cool. they, well, they are. They are so visually arresting. Just the idea of these like dark, big things with just these glowing eyes just waiting for you. Down mm-hmm. in the depths of the sewer, it's just such an arresting image. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so Jamie doesn't get brainwashed, uh, and Polly doesn't get brainwashed. The doctor saves saves Polly, and uh, Jamie saves himself and tries to save Ben, but Ben is like, "Shut up, leave me alone. <laughs> I'm sleeping. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be brainwashed." Um, <laughs> so I thought this was a spa day. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, Ben gets brainwashed and mm-hmm. uh, there's this great, the great, really creepy section where he's like hunting Polly in the caves. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Polly's really good in this story, too, I think. Yeah, um, th- th- this was uh, all the, the uh, this was a solid story for all three of the companions, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Really highlighting why each of them are. You know why? Why they need to be? Why there need to be three of them <laughs> in one, mm-hmm. in one right. group? Yeah, there's something about Polly as the sort of um, like the Wendy. Uh, like, well, no. What's what's the what's the uh, what's the what's the? I like how I I don't even I don't have, I give you no hints and you're like I'm just gonna throw something out there. Um, <laughs> it's how we write. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna try to read your mind. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> Fictional no, characters. No. What's that? What's that? Um, what's that type of uh, that type of person that like yeah, they came back in the '80s and it was like um sort of like an alternative person, but they're like very like well put together and like kind of preppy and oh, like a mod. Yeah, mod. Yes, thank you. That's exactly the word. Um, yeah. So like Polly as this sort of mod character in yes. this yeah, in this and- kind of like brainwash macro world of, of smiley happy people it's just so iconic to me it just feels yeah, like I, oh this is why she exists for this story and, and you know um, and and like all the love in the world all the love in the world to to susan and her like goofy children show 
<laughs> to me. And, and you know, she's not the only companion that we've compared to a children's show host, but there is something to be said about, yeah, yeah, like Polly is very – and the, in their own way, they, they're kind of cool. <laughs> they're They're a little more – you can tell they're talking – they're trying to talk to British teenagers in 1964. Yeah. Whereas Polly was sort of meant to be just like, but I'm a child. Or but like when they – The opposite. Yeah. The like, opposite. Yeah. Like said, when they go – oh, sorry. Sorry. Polly. Susan. 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 Yeah. Susan. <laughs> what Susan was like just represented pure childhood and these characters, Polly especially, seem to be more like – yeah, like the way they compliment each other. They're like, oh, he looks smashing. You know, stuff like that. Right. <laughs> it's cool yeah um so yeah i'm really into i'm really into uh mod polly i think she's uh she's pretty rad i'd want to hang out with her she's cool this would also scott and i were talking about how off mic that it takes a lot for us to even think about buying like a comic adaptation of something that we've already seen mm-hmm. this is i would kill for like a killer like graphic novel adaptation of this. Oh, like like uh, like Jamie McKelvey drawing the oh, Macrotary. Oh, dude, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Right? Because because I just pictured a cover of like Mod Polly, and like in really black and white colors, and then in the background you just see like the eyes of like a macra, Ugh. and like Doctor <laughs> Who. Oh my god! Now I just want to see a Jamie McKelvey drawn Jamie though, because that's pretty choice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want that too. Uh, <laughs> If I if I got a commission from him ever, and, and like I the had, Sergeant like, Pepper weird dystopian suit that he wears in this episode, <laughs> yes, hell yeah, yes. Well, when he first shows up, he's like literally wearing a mock turtleneck sweater and his <laughs> kilt, um, and it's just the worst outfit. Uh, it it almost looks like he's wearing like a like a baby blue or like a periwinkle. That's that's what I pictured. I mean, it's black and white, so right. you know, there's no there's no color, but it's very light colored, uh, and that's that's what that's where my mind went. I was like, what is that? Like a periwinkle? <laughs> it's Easter Easter colors? Um, but yeah, I would. I but you know what? Black and white aside, I would love to see this in like vibrant like '60s Technicolor. Mm-hmm. It'd be so rad. Um, anyway, so. Ben is uh, hunting Polly, who's like she's like trying to run away because you know she's realizing what's going on around here. Well, the doctor realizes it and tells her, uh, and then she's like, "What?" And then she's like, "Oh yeah, I guess I guess that is what's happening." So she's running away from Ben, who's brainwashed, and then they both run into the crab. And I love I love that moment where Ben's reasoning is just like she's like, "I thought I saw something." He's like, "That's impossible. This place is perfect." So because this place is perfect, there's no possible way there could be anything down here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was funny how just down the hatch the Kool-Aid went for these guys. Mm-hmm. And I know they were I know there was outside influence, but yeah. but they, uh, yeah, down it down it went. I know down that's really efficient mm-hmm. brainwashing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took like 5 minutes. Yeah, not only it's against the rules, doctor. <laughs> yeah, not only did it did it brainwash him into wanting to like work the next day, but it was also like now here are the rules, and here's how your your brain is going to follow logic from now on. Mm-hmm. This is how it works. It's called circular logic. This is how your brain works now. Um, it's just incredible. Uh, and then there, so so then um. The uh, Macra actually attacks Polly and Ben tries to save her. He saves her, brings her back. And then he was, she was like, I found a crab thing. And they're like, what? Those aren't real. Are they, Ben? He's like, they sure aren't. And Polly's <laughs> like, what? 
which is so great. And then finally, um, they're they're just like, yeah, well, you, I want to see this controller person because I feel like something crazy is going on. And then the controller people are like, they're like, uh, oh yes, we will show you the controller. Here it is, and it's <laughs> and they're like some old man, and the old man's like, what do you want from me? And they're they're just like, talk to the people. You are the controller. He's like, well, okay, I'll tell them whatever you want. Yes, I am the controller. I uh, and then and the crab. Why did they film the crab leg attacking the guy? Why? <laughs> I I I my my head is that he had a hot mic. <laughs> or, or something and the crap was oh. like oh man look I, I gotta get hold on hold on like he that <laughs> like, was like a that like was the a producer. equivalent of like uh of like pull like bringing out the little like bow bow peep hook and like yeah, t- yeah. pulling him out <laughs> from off stage <laughs> um oh yeah and then my other favorite thing this is something that we never ever really get to talk about with these reconstructions but one of my one of the my favorite things about reconstructions is that um at at certain points they will have real footage. Yes. And yes, you're yes, like you're yeah. like where did this footage come from? And what you find out during research into reconstructions is that some countries who aired the the these episodes um you know when they would delete the episodes just like the B- the main BBC offices would. But in other countries that had different standards, they would cut parts out of the episode that they deemed too scary. And and mm-hmm. then so when they deleted the episodes later, it was after they edited out sections. So they deleted all of the footage except for the footage that they cut out. So sometimes you'll they will find footage that exists of the stuff that they cut out of episodes. So everything that exists of this story are just the stuff that they cut out because they were too scary. And you watch it now and you're just like, really, that? That's what you <laughs> – that's what you cut out. Man. I mean, maybe because, you know, the mind would lull it. My mind would lull itself into these are images and I'm listening to audio. And when movement would happen, when a macro would actually like move its claw, it would kind of like, oh, whoa, you know, like jar me a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, totally. Uh, but yeah, I don't know where that man came from. <laughs> this old man. Um, there was this thing in, uh, in, in, uh, in preacher where they, they like got a guy, they hired like an actor to pretend he was God. Um, <laughs> cause they were like trying to hide the, pr- the, the truth about where God went. So they just like hired an actor and they're like, he's like, yes, I'm God. And he's got like a fake beard on. Um, and that's what this reminded me. Well, of. it looks like the same guy just like dressed up like an old person, but it's funny. Cause like the voice that we've been hearing the entire time does not sound remotely like this guy's voice. So right. I don't know what they were trying to get him to talk about. Uh, I don't know. But <laughs> he just looks so tired. I know. <laughs> they woke him up. His three crab oh, roommates are just terrible. Wake up the old man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, crabs would make the worst roommates, uh, <laughs> I think. I mean, especially. I mean, you'd have oh, to have man, carpeted floors. You'd have to have carpeted floors. Oh because yeah. Because mm-hmm. if you had hardwood floors, you'd never get any sleep. Um, you just hear constantly hear tap 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 tap. They're tap, just tap, waking tap, up tap. in the middle of the night for a midnight snack, and he's like, "I'm trying to sleep." And there's like yeah. three sets of little crab legs. Go back to sleep, old man. <laughs> just. Oh my god! It just sound terrible, like a like a machine gun outside. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
old man. Uh, <laughs> that's why he's so tired. He never sleeps. <laughs> yeah, they're just dragging him out of his bed. Yeah. Well, and he just hears the tapping and all, all, yeah. like, all hours uh, of night. Sc- and- scuttling is one of my top five like worst noises. <laughs> yeah, any any type of scuttling or like macros the macro scuttle <laughs> yeah the macro scuttle <laughs> the macro terror part three written by ian stewart black directed by john davies produced by ennis lloyd script edited by jerry davis air date 25th of march 1967 the controller tells the pilot to forget what he's just seen and sends the doctor jamie and polly to the caverns for gas labor The pilot orders Ben to go with them so that he can keep an eye on his friends. Upon arriving in the caverns, they are introduced to their shift leader, a newly brainwashed Madoc, who gives them all jobs to do. While probing for gas in the caverns, Jamie finds a locked door that looks recently installed, and the only person with a key is the man in charge of the labor department. When gas erupts in the department leader's face, Jamie uses the opportunity to steal his keys. Ben sees this happen and doesn't say anything, but he's unsure why. The doctor suggests that he may be recovering. Jamie uses the keys to go through the door, sounding an alarm. Polly tells Madoc where Jamie has gone and Madoc goes after him, but he's attacked by a macro while searching. Jamie discovers Madoc's body and is shocked to discover a macro nearby, but when he throws a rock at it, the macro does not respond. Meanwhile, Ben's conditioning continues to break down, causing him to act more and more erratically with the other citizens of the colony. Meanwhile, the doctor and Polly try to analyze the gas that they are mining in an attempt to discern its purpose. When the controller orders that the gas be diverted into the shaft where Jamie is located, the doctor theorizes that the gas is being used to keep something alive. As Jamie begins to react to the poisonous gas filling the cavern, the inactive macro comes to life and moves toward him. Jamie attempts to flee, but is met by a second macra ready to attack. In episode three, um, they, Ben sort of takes the takes the um, sort of uh, mole spy thing, uh, like he's. I don't know why. What 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 would you say is the difference between a mole and a spy? Aren't they like the same? Is a is a is a mole a type of spy? I think a mole is like specifically for like infiltration. So like, mm-hmm. and a spy is just like I'm observing. Oh, I see. Okay, because I know that you know James Bond has been known to do some moling in his time. Yeah, but he is a spy. I don't know. Is a <laughs> yeah, man, uh, a mole to I me. Guess, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe it's like it's like okay. So there's there's spies. That's the umbrella mm-hmm. term, and then moles are like infiltration spies, and then you've got like recon spies. Sure. Just well, so a, a spy could very you've well got be spies who love you. <laughs> a mole to me implies someone who is let making himself someone on the inside. He is establishing. I am. I work. Hi, my I'm Bob. I work in sales. You can trust me. Yeah. Well, that's what and that's like, what Ben's doing, I guess. Yeah, and we'll like give information out over the course of like years. Mm-hmm. Whereas a spy could do like surveillance. A spy doesn't necessarily have to insert himself into the whatever he's spying on. Right. Like James Bond never. God, he God. If only James James Bond just had like a trunk full of like costumes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I hope that's what happens when after they when they recast the role and they just kind of like 
do a soft mm-hmm. reboot again. Oh, that would be mm-hmm. amazing. Um, yeah. So we'll so Ben golden. is Ben is brought on board by uh, by by the pilot or or one of the one of the guys um, one of the guys in charge, uh, and <laughs> they're like, "Hey, you're gonna be you're gonna be our man on the inside, isn't that right?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." And I'm just like, guys, this is the worst idea because they all already know that he's brain brainwashed. Right? Like, <laughs> he's not going to make a very good mole. <laughs> um, but all right, uh, he's he also starts losing his mind in this episode, which is yes, that's fun because he's just constantly hearing voices and he's just like screaming and holding his head, <laughs> which is which is good. Yeah, I can Im- I can I can imagine kids being like, geez. Yeah, I know. Is it Heavy. in this episode or the next one where he's talking to that random clerk and she's just like, the voices are here to help us. They are friends. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it's just commonplace among people for just to just hear these random creepy voices all the time. Yeah, that's that's definitely in this one, I think. Okay. Yeah, because um, yeah, the, the next one has like way too much stuff going on. I don't think it happens in that okay. one. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that that one was really creepy. Um I mean, everyone in this town is super creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like, yeah, the voices help us. It's like, oh, that's not good. That is not good. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock good. the voices. You need to you need to look at yourself in the mirror and really just say that out loud <laughs> while you keep yourself. Start with the macro in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> macro in the mirror. <laughs> just staring at itself. Why? <laughs> I want, we need to we need to come up with a storyline that is called that that we can pitch to Big Finish. Um, yes, the macro in the mirror. It's amazing. Um. Yeah. So. So this story is all about the gas. So there's there's that that gas leak that hurt those dudes in part one, and and um the doctor is like trying to figure out what this gas situation is. Uh, this whole episode and. You have the controller and the pilot and they're both, you know, the pilot is like starting to sort of be won over by the doctor, like because the doctor has a, has a nice face. Like everyone does eventually. Mm-hmm. You're right. Exactly. But the controller is um, a little more uh, angry, we'll say. Um, mm-hmm. But the doctor basically after, you know, looking over all of this gas stuff, he basically comes to the conclusion that like maybe the gas – the purposes of the gas is to kill because the idea is like, you know, they're 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 like mining this gas or whatever, and they're like, I you know, I don't I don't understand like why if the gas is hurting them, what what the hell do they want it for? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and so then the doctor comes up with the idea that like, oh, maybe it isn't for them, maybe it's for something else, and then mm. uh, and then around that point they get they all get Jamie gets surrounded by uh, Macra. Um, Cause this whole episode, like Jamie is just like in the, it, it, like just in the caves with the macra while the doctor and Polly watch and theorize about gas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jamie's not in his comfort zone for a lot of this. No, he's mostly alone. He has no idea what's going on. I mean, he's it's wearing really, uncomfortable clothes. It's 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 basically on brand for Jamie, really. Like Jamie never <laughs> yeah. knows what's going on. And like even then, the show was like, it's funny when he's just like like a, like a wet cat, like a cat. Oh that's like, no! <laughs> you, or just like uh, uh, no, no, I gotta get out of here. Right now. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> that's oh, that's Jamie to a T. No, no, no. The Macro Terror, Part Four, written by Ian Stewart Black, directed by John Davies, produced by Ennis Lloyd, script edited by Jerry Davis, air date first of April, nineteen sixty-seven. The Doctor manages to lock the Labor Department leader out of the control room and manipulates the controls to cause oxygen to flow into the mining shaft where Jamie is located. The Macra attack Jamie, but the influx of oxygen causes them to slump and allows Jamie to escape. The Doctor and Polly escape into the mines just as Ola and some guards manage to open the control room door. Jamie escapes the mining shaft and returns to the colony where he is mistaken for an auditioning dancer before being found and arrested by Ola and Ben, who is still struggling with his conditioning. The Doctor and Polly find the chamber where the Macro are located and learn that they are using the humans to mine gas that they require for survival. They decide to find the pilot and share the truth about the Macro with him. Arriving in the pilot's office, the Doctor asks the pilot to accompany him into the mine so he can learn the truth. Despite the controller's panicked attempts to intervene, the pilot agrees to go with the Doctor. Once they've gone, the controller gives full control of the colony to Ola and orders the pilot and the Doctor be stopped. The Doctor takes the pilot to the macra chamber where he accepts the truth and vows to destroy the macra. They are captured by Ola's guards and taken to the pipe room with Jamie and Polly, where the macra have ordered the four of them to be executed. As the room begins to fill with the poisonous gas, Ben reveals that he is in the mining control room. The doctor quickly explains how to switch on the inflow and outflow together, and Ben throws the lever, triggering an explosion that closes off the mines and kills the macra. Later, a dance festival is held in celebration of the Macra's defeat. In honor of the Doctor and his companion's help, the winner of the festival will be awarded the Stranger's Trophy. With the pilot becoming the colony's new leader, the Doctor is informed of the colony's intention to make the Doctor their new pilot. To avoid this fate, the Doctor and his companions use the cover of the festival to dance their way back to the TARDIS and immediately depart for a new adventure. So, part four, Polly finds a button that says zero on it and uh (laughs) the doctor's like oh um let's let's push that because that might be oxygen so pushes the oxygen it weakens the macra and uh and and jamie gets out of there uh thankfully um and uh he gets out of there and runs into a room where the scariest thing in the whole story is oh my god it's my favorite (laughs) (laughs) there's there's auditioning for some sort of like cheerleading practice and they have this chant where they're all saying like the voices are good, the voices are nice, like the voices <laughs> do everything that is right or something. Like it's really creepy, yeah, but they rah, are rah, rah. <laughs> but they're very they're very happy about it. To the point where their leader, like the cheer the cheerleader of the cheerleaders um is uh basically like all right that's great we said that in unison but let's do it again only happier yeah <laughs> yeah the the scariest part of of this scene to me is the implication that they've been doing this for hours <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and that oh. they're not and and they're cool with it yeah it's horrifying um mm-hmm. It's really horrifying, and and it, it, uh, credit to the filmmakers, it's uncomfortably long. Yes, yeah, they do the whole routine twice in its Always entirety. <laughs> yeah, 
once very intensely and then again intensely with fake smiles plastered on their faces. They make you they make you the viewer afraid that you might be memorizing it. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of that moment in that thing you do when uh when the singer steps up to the mic in the recording booth and is just like, I quit. I quit. <laughs> and he's like laughing while saying I quit <laughs> and snapping yeah. his fingers. Like that's what it reminds me of because it's just so like what they're saying and how happy they are about saying it are are in di- in just direct contradiction to each other, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's really off. It's like every high so Jamie- school pep rally. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, it, it. I mean, yeah. It's it's, it's a, like it's a Bioshock a, pep rally. Yeah, it's a bi. Yep. Mm-hmm, yep. So Jamie wanders in. And is horrified by what he sees, just like all of us would. Um, we're mm-hmm. all Jamie in this moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, oh, you must be the the guy who's auditioning to be a dancer. And Jamie's like, what? <laughs> yes, I guess. Of course I am. So they're like, I want to see what you got. Start dancing. Dance. Dance. And he's like, oh, okay. So he, d- he starts dancing and they're like, oh, that's pretty good. What do you call that? He's like, I call it the Highland Fling because I fling to the door. <laughs> and then he flings to the door and tries to escape. But then um, – yeah, I don't know if we brought this up, but there's a real Marty McFly quality to Jamie. There is. He's like the Scottish Highland <laughs> Marty McFly. Cause yeah, it, it it it. I just keep thinking of like a cat when something falls. <laughs> yeah, well, and I or like or like a cat who has somehow managed to get like a plastic bag attached to their yeah. tail. <laughs> yeah, just like running laps around the house, and you're like, you just stop moving, you freak! I'll pull it off your tail. I love James. Where's like the where's the the dog, the humble dog? If you put a plastic bag around, <laughs> you know, like it, it yeah. it'll kind of just go with it. Yeah. Well, did you see that video where um those uh the the, the those people like gave their Labrador or their golden retriever an egg? Yes. To see if yeah, to see if oh, like, yes. it, yeah, if yeah, the yeah. egg would break in its mouth and it just takes it in its mouth and then just holds it there and just has this worried expression <laughs> on its face. I was like, I've never seen a dog have anxiety to pull forth. That's really sad. <laughs> oh man. Um but yeah, Jamie is definitely the cat with the plastic bag on its tail. Um so he flings himself out and then immediately gets uh, captured by guards and yes. uh, and taken away. And then at this point, the doctor, the doctor also figures out that um, he figures out what's going on. And the reason why the controller is played by an actor is because the voices that they're hearing, the controller voice is actually the voice of the macra who have some sort of mind control abilities uh, that they're using on everyone to brainwash them, to give them gas that they feed on and need to survive. And, uh, and they're just, they're making everybody happy and controlling the world. Uh, it's a, it's a happy town made by crab people. Like, it's, it's amazing. Great. It's amazing. It's, it reminded me, you know, one of the, to me, the scariest, coolest thing about Cthulhu is that Cthulhu is actually really smart. And is like cunning and like fully capable, but he communicates with you like mentally. Mm-hmm. But he's mm-hmm. also this big, huge, scary creature. 
And I'm like, oh, that's that's what's – and to me, that it was – I felt a similar like – it's scary that these giant hulking crab things are also like have been talking to you this whole time. Yeah. When I was watching this, um, his voice was bothering me because it felt really familiar. And when he got really angry, I finally um, placed it. It sounds like freaking Plankton from SpongeBob when he gets angry. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> right? Oh, Holy man, crap. I almost – God, there's like a 10% chance that that's related. I know. <laughs> but when when he gets really manic and I'm just like, oh, why does that – oh, it's plankton. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> God, he wants those Krabby Patties. Oh, my God, they're Krabby Patties. <laughs> oh, my God. We did it. We did it. One percent evil, ninety nine percent hot gas. That's the crab people. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Mr. Mr. Krabs is a macro. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) this isn't. That's incredible. (laughs) I'm on board for all of that. Oh my god. I'm still. Do we ever see the guy who sounds like Jim Broadbent, or do we just hear him on the on the making announcements? It's hard to say in this version. Yeah, that's. I guess that's true. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just like at one point, you know, he's talking, and you know, he's talking about the curfew. Like, oh, everybody, get to bed. It's curfew. Yeah, happy sleep um, time, everybody. <laughs> oh yes, I remember thinking that he sounded like he was from like Quebec. <laughs> Oh wow! Like, like get to do your like he he just yeah he had like a yeah oh, you're see, right. I kept waiting for him to be like and and look out for the man with the great big bushy beard. <laughs> oh, get to do your homes before the crabs take you away. <laughs> <laughs> see, you sound exactly like him. That's what he sounded like. <laughs> he sounded like somebody doing. Like a really good Jim Broadbent impression. That's what he sounded like. <laughs> oh, man. Such a creepy episode. Yeah. Oh, but it's like, oh, it's, it's great. a good one. I think yeah, it might yeah. be, I think it might be like top three Troughton for me. Um, hmm. I really love this. Interesting. I, I, yeah, he's just, really good. This is everything I love about, about like this era of Doctor Who. Um, yeah. Because it's, not, it's not a base was, under yeah. siege, which is right. like. You know, nine out of ten <laughs> of Trout stories is a base under siege, and it's not a base under siege. And yeah, I just remember, I just remember when I first started watching this classic Who stuff. Um, people were like, I just remember seeing people really dismissive of this story, and then I saw it, and I was like, What are you talking about? This is so good. <laughs> oh my god, telepathic yeah. crab people, come on! <laughs> yeah, I could definitely. I know they have to be hard. To like translate, you know, compared to a Dalek, which is like, you know, any child can make a Dalek. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, but it would be really cool to see the Macra like come into the like come again into this new era of who we have coming up because I I just think they're they're super effective. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we saw them in in uh, that story in the grids in yeah in in uh, gridlock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but they weren't, I think they were like non-telepathic variety of macra. Mm-hmm. 
they hadn't evolved. And like their their presence in that episode feels like more of an Easter egg than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would <laughs> I would love to see I would love to see thirteen go up against the macro. <laughs> I would be on Or just or just any episode. If the twist is there's just a macra underneath everyone, I'm auto- I'm automatically fine. With <laughs> just I just there just thirteen coming in the room and just joining in with the cheerleading, right? like just being yeah. really into it. Yeah, <laughs> I, would, I would love it so much. Like imagine if there was a mac, like guys, yeah, like make an episode where there's a macra under like a high school. Oh my uh, god, Buffy. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to cut that out so we can just hold on to that. Uh, <laughs> okay. For that day, one one day in the future when we finally get to write a Doctor Who story. There you go. The mocker in the mirror. The mocker in the mirror. So there's a quote that the Doctor says in episode four that I wrote down because it's so quintessentially Troughton, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, I think there's no need to be afraid. Come on, let's find out. And... <laughs> I love that so much. I think that just wraps up the essence of the show in a way that's uh-huh. like super it's so silly, but I'm just like, okay, yeah, that's totally something yeah. the doctor would say. Yeah, you know, you can really you, I always I always remember Matt Smith in his early t- days talking about how Troughton was the doctor that he found himself revisiting the most or thinking about the most mm-hmm. and and you can really see it in moments like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole opening of the 11th hour, right? It was just like mm-hmm. You know, like Eleven talking to little Amy, um, little Amelia, mm-hmm. and just being like, I don't think there's anything to be afraid of. Let's go find yeah. it. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, and then we, we also, uh, after, so so um, they figure out a way to, to, like, <laughs> to mix the input and output valves, which is going to trigger an explosion. And <laughs> what I love about it is like the macra are trying to convince Ben not to do it because Ben is still suffering from brainwash tendencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, don't do it. Don't do the thing. You'll kill everyone, not just us. And he's like, I don't care. And he does it anyway. And then it just this does this really dramatic, like negative explosion thing. <laughs> And then it just comes in, comes back into the drum majorettes and they're celebrating that they won the day. And I'm like, okay, th- something, there's something missing between these two things. I know. It's such That's... a hard cut. It's, oh man, it's really funny. It's just like Ben screaming in existential terror <laughs> and then the drum majorettes. Um, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Um, but they announced that, uh, that they're going to have a a stranger day where they're going to give away a stranger to the strangers trophy because of how the strangers helped them defeat the macra. They're going to do it every, every year Strangers <laughs> day and the strangers trophy. Um, wow. The strangers, <laughs> the strangers day. Strangers day. And then uh, someone's like, I heard a rumor that they want you to be the new pilot, Doctor. And he's like, oh, great. And he's like, everyone, dance to the target. Right? Let's tap dance our way out of here. Yeah, man. Never have I wished that a piece of this footage survived more. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know. I know. 
you know, the drum majorettes, they just dance with the drum majorettes and they just keep dancing together as a group, the four of them. They just dance <laughs> all the way into the TARDIS. It's amazing. Uh, and that's how the story ends. Like, I, I just, I love this so much. This is like everything I love about Doctor Who in like one story. I really, um, I really do wish that it existed because I feel like yes. it would be, I would like it a lot more. Like, there are some reconstructions that I feel hold up despite them being reconstructions, but this one kind of suffers from it very much because you, like, it's a lot of atmospheric, like, spooky stuff that doesn't really yeah. translate well to audio. Yeah. I agree. It should be animated. Like, like I said, this is one of the ones that I think should be fully animated. Mm -hmm. Um, but they're not going to do it because I, I guess they just don't sell well. Animated like this, this especially because it's already super pulpy. But like with the right. the black and white flash animation would be so cool. I know. Oh and, yeah. You know, well, yeah. and what's crazy is like I mean, just like they did with Power of the Daleks, you could do a color version and just make it really bright and vibrant, mm -hmm. like crazy sixties colors, and it would be super rad. And you could have the black and white one as an option on the on the DVD or whatever. Yeah, but, I, yeah. And I just there's such an opportunity for some really like we say like Bioshock or like or or Orwellian imagery that could mm -hmm. translate so well to animation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Ugh. Telepathic crab people! <laughs> Exclamation point! Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> My God. Okay. Anyway, I love this story. Um, this is, uh, I'll, I mean, I have to, I have to check back through, but I think this is, I mean, this is up there with, uh, with the mind robber for me, wow. um, for like favorite second doctor story. It's real, real good. It's fun. It's, real, it's real really, good. really fun. Yeah. Um, cause I, I, I really, I really love his two Dalek stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't think I, I don't think I love them as much as other people do. I prefer the more wackier Dalek stories. And those are just like legit good. Um, <laughs> and so they, they lose a little bit of the magic for mm -hmm. me. Cause I'm just like, Oh, that was just, that was just good. It wasn't crazy. It was just good. Um, <laughs> I really like theory of the deep as far as like reconstruction Troughton episodes that hold up really well. Ooh. I don't know if you've seen that one yet, but that one's good. I don't, I don't. Oh, I think it's the next one we're doing, right? Um, no, it's got Victoria in it, so it's later on. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I forget what the next one is then that we're covering with him. Um, I think it's, let's see here. Uh, oh, Faceless Ones is what we're doing. Oh, okay. Next. Ben and Polly are leaving. Yeah. yeah. They sure are. They sure are. Um, and what will Jamie do then? He'll have someone. He'll have uh, a new playmate. Um, Who are you? <laughs> Where did they go? <laughs> ah! <laughs> so good. Um, all right. Well, that's the macro terror. But mm -hmm. but it was good. I love yeah. those crabs. <laughs> it's good. I mean, that's that's literally how it ends. I mean, you make you you, you joke like but up but but up. Yeah. I mean, but that's. That's totally the end of this of them just yeah, like it's dancing. Yeah, like it's like he, it's like his retirement party. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Um yeah, so uh we that that's the macro yeah. Um go go check out all of our other shows at duelinggenre.com. 
Uh, we will be back next week with Terror of the Autons. Yeah. Um, third Doctor story. Uh, that's some good stuff. Love me some Autons. Yeah. Question mark? Do I? Do I love Autons? <laughs> <laughs> I just like how you immediately question. But you know what? You know what? I'll say this. The Autons featured in four of the greatest Doctor Who stories ever. So yeah. Yeah. there's... I mean, their track record is pretty good. Yeah, they're all the John Cazale of, uh, Doctor, of Doctor Who characters. Yeah. The next they're one, very low-key about it. The next it, one but. is the introduction of a companion and the introduction of the master. And there's Autons and it's Pertwee. Yeah. It's a good time all around. It's a real good one. It's a real good one. Circus master. Yes. Um, <laughs> traveling circus master. <laughs> the best. <laughs> Uh, Winnebago target. Um, <laughs> Nick, Nick is just like, oh my god. Um, I do. I, if I may, I do want to end things just in closing. On oh the my macro. god! Wait, 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 wait! Before you get to that, yeah. I just realized this is going to be your first Roger Delgado, isn't it? <gasps> I, yeah. You've never met Roger Delgado. Oh before. my god! Oh my god. No. This is going to be incredible. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Continue. <clears throat> I'm excited. Um, I just want to read. This is the uh, the opening paragraph to the, the macro entry on the TARDIS. <laughs> Quote, the macro were a gigantic crustacean race that fed on unclean gases, which were poisonous to humans. The macro resembled crabs. They would consume humans whenever possible. Eventually, the macro fell into evolutionary decline reverting to mindless creatures in the depths of new new york <laughs> and there will there we will leave them so they so they actually so they, those were the macra yeah they they de-evolved that's crazy oh, wow holy moly i just assumed they were like a sister species that didn't evolve and full circle. there you go Here we go. Um, all right. Well, uh, everybody, thanks for listening. We will be back uh, next week. Go to duelinggenre.com slash support. Become a Patreon member so we can do that Doctor Who and the Daleks movie. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>